Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. My name is Mark Arlapage, and you are listening to Entree Architect Podcast, where each week I speak with inspiring, passionate people who share their knowledge and expertise all to help you build a better business as a small firm entrepreneur architect. Hans Benson, welcome to Entree Architect Podcast. Thank you. Glad to be here. Hans Benson is the CEO of Forefront Architecture and Engineering based in Claremont, Florida. Uh, in a career spanning more than two decades, Hans has lent his expertise to the construction industry in a wide variety of roles, including a steel fabricator, framing contractor, engineer, and technology leader. The common thread that connects Hans' many roles is his unique ability to innovate and move his clients and industry forward, uh, which is what I want to talk about, while continuing to deliver products and services that are needed today in the industry. So Hans, I shared a little bit, a little tiny tidbit of who you are and what you're doing. Uh, I'd love to dive a little bit deeper about who you are and where you came, what you come from. Um, let's talk about your origin story. Go back to where this all started for you. What, where did you discover your passion? What inspired you to pursue what you're doing today? And share that story to where you find yourself at this moment. Yeah. Okay. So let's go back to. Uh, so I'm here in Florida. So let's go back to '92, roughly. Hurricane Andrew uh, was a uh, was a defining moment for for the code here for Florida and, and for for guys like us. Um, and what I found was I was looking for work. That right after that things were devastated. And uh, um, so for me, what I did was I began educating building departments 
building officials, engineers, other other inspectors on what is needed to keep a house from blowing over in a hurricane. And you're you're an engineer, right? That's your I'm an engineer, right, right. We later became architects. So um, I would go to the building departments and um, put on free seminars on what's you know what is what is needed. What are the basics? How do you do it? What does it look like? Nobody had an idea at that time. And so um, I based, and I physically went to and put on seminars in every building department in Florida, all of them. And as a result, they invited their clients, as you might call them, and that were builders, among them large builders. And so what would happen is, is they would show up and I would then, you know, give a free seminar. So giving free information, even in today's world, social media, yeah. that, you know, we didn't have that back then. I was just doing it physically, but it worked. So those builders would call me because my drawings were on the board at the building department. This is how you do it. And there was our name. So kind of that was my defining moment uh, as to how to, you know, give something away to get something back. What was your inspiration for those seminars? Was it just, I, this is a needed information, this is needed information and I have that information. So let's go share it. Or was there a bigger vision in that, in that strategy? Yeah. Well, I, I had a mentor, you know, that was um, very open-minded and, and very much customer oriented. And so I had then uh, the freedom to, you know, think outside the box, so to speak. I knew that he would back me up. And uh, so I enjoyed that. I mean, in the beginning, you know, obviously standing in front of people is a little bit uh, intimidating, but you know, you get over that. So uh, I enjoy building houses. I enjoy building apartments, you know, multifamily. And so helping other people was just seemed to come natural. Yeah. And so, so you, you started doing those seminars, those seminars led uh, an introduction to some big home builders yep. and what happened from there? So they start calling us and um, basically, you know, they needed engineering and they needed to know, okay, what do I got to do to get a permit? Cause you know, here you've got these, you know, they're the top builders in the country and they, and they have to turn out so many houses, you know, a month and they can't get a permit. And so what we did was we guided them through and helped them get their first permits in central Florida and then onward. And so the word got out, if you want a permit, come see Hans. And, uh, was was that mostly because their the builders were coming in from out of state, or was it because the code was changing and they didn't know what the code was because of of the hurricanes? Great point. The code was changing. Code was in the middle. It was in flux. Uh, not only were they not sure, building departments were not entirely sure. So, you know, since I had given free seminars to the building department for their people, they had some faith in me, and therefore my my you know, my drawings would slip through quicker than somebody who, you know, they didn't recognize. Now that all evened out in the end, but I got ahead of the pack. Yeah. And uh, so that was, that was a, a big push, a big bonus for us. And so you got a lot of that work of the big builders? Is that yeah, I got a lot. Yeah. I mean, I got the, you know, MI, Pulte, Lennar, Ryan, all the big boys, top 10 in the country were coming, you know, were, were flocking to us. Uh, so was, was this forefront or was this a, prior firm this this was a prior same same group but under a different name okay and so this uh, is the firm that you had started what at what point uh in the history of your firm at that moment uh how old were you at that point how old was the was the firm is it a new firm or is this a firm that had been around for a while been around for a while i mean i was in my 20s 
I'm 57 now, so it's been a while. Um, in fact, I was working for my mentor, Mr. Lindemann, and he made me a partner as a result of that. So, um, you know, by in 1994, I was a, a partner, and then it just went on from there. So, uh, and grew. Uh, to in fact, go ahead. Bob, I was just going to say, so you focused on on um, large building uh, home builders and did yeah, mostly so single family? We did because it's interesting. So from a business standpoint, a couple of things, um, you know, home builders. Uh, so we were an engineering firm and I got to know my, what I found out was these clients knew my business almost as good, if not better than I did. Some of these, they made it their business to know my business. And so I spent the last 20 years doing the same thing. But um, so they, they, um, boy, I lost my train of thought there for a second. So the, so the builders, you, you found yourself at a, at a moment uh, where you realized that the people you were working with and working for your clients uh, understood the business of engineering and the way that, that uh, your business worked better than you did. Yes. You know, uh, uh, yes, they understood, you know, what was, you know, they knew what was required. They knew, of course, you know, what they had to do to get a permit. And then I learned that, okay, what were their pain points? Um, you know, so we were engineers to begin with. Well, they also needed architecture. They also needed mechanical electrical plumbing. So we started to become, and, and a print house. So we became all those things over time so that, you know, they would never feel the need to leave. Was that an intentional strategy? Like, one yes. day said, okay, I'm going, we're going to develop this firm into a multidisciplinary firm. Uh, yes. and, and we were going to do all these things and we'll, we'll implement them one at a time. Right. Because he, what would happen is, is I had to wait on all the other trades to be able to do my part. And so I couldn't turn this thing around and, and, you know, uh, in the construction business, you know, every day counts when you're, you know, from the time you make the sale to the time you start. Yeah. And so, um, you know, if you can shorten that time, you're a hero. So uh, that, that was, that was key. Right. So everything that the big home builders are doing, it's all about time. It's about how fast can you get out of the ground and get a, a home buyer into that house. Exactly. And so if you can, uh, if you can create the systems that help them get there faster, then you become a linchpin in their process. Yes. Yes. And, and you, uh, I mean, we, we've, you know, some of our, 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 our success stories where we took builders who were from sale to start, they call it, you know, from the time they make the sale to this time they can break ground, uh, it, they were at 120 days. And so what we did was, you know, and, and I'm kind of jumping ahead, but we were, uh, by then we were architects and engineers and we did mechanical electrical plumbing. And oh, by the way, we also did trust engineering. You know, we got into, uh, things that are needed, you know, at the fact at the fabrication level. So we became detailers, we became as much as we could, so that we could take us, you know, a concept or a sale and get them a permit permittable set of plans with shop drawings, and, and get them permitted in 30 days. So they went from 120 days to 30 days. So they went from the worst division in, in the United States to the number one division. And everybody got a cruise at Christmas, and of course we did not. We were not included in that. <laughs> but it was, you know, it was a good success story. So, uh, and and that was because you become all things they need. You know, you, yeah. you adapt to what they where they're at. So. How large was the firm when you started that strategy? Um, 
before you started growing into those other areas? When we you were, were 10 or 12, we were small. We we're 10 or 12. And at the, you know, I want to say 05, 06, 07, we were in the 70, 75 people. And then, you know, we shrunk again. So, so where are you now in terms of so we're, number of people? We're right at 30, 29, maybe 28. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so we were doing, you know, in the heyday, we were doing 15,000 permits a year, more or less, with 70 people. So we were leveraging technology quite a bit internally, as well as, uh, you know, externally for as far as the, the, the subcontractors go. We were using everything we could. So you, you developed this firm that provides architecture, engineering, MEP, print, print, uh, print house, yeah. Uh, all of the um, uh, the engineering, structural engineering, the, the the frames, anything that you need, the trusses, anything that you need in order to get that uh, that timeline down, you did that. So you become the go-to firm for every home builder in the region. Right. So you know, if you if you're if you're a general contractor, and so you know what the you know their life begins with you know the architect. And the architect comes up with a concept and then it's got to go to the engineer, you know, you get your MEP and folks, and then it's got to go to a trust manufacturer and they got to get, you know, and it's got to go to, so everybody's got to look at this. I think one of the top builders did a study once and uh, each plan gets created, recreated 11 times. And so, you know, they have 11 versions of that same plan because of all the trades every trade does their version of that plan. And so, you know, that's over the years, what my mission has been is to take that and do it one time, you know, draw it once and give them 11 versions of it, you know, but it's all automated. It's all, uh, you know, streamlined. You might right. Call it. So from the beginning, you've been very innovative in the way you've, you've structured your firm, the way you've, you've built out the business model with it. Um, Today, I mean, so so that from very beginning, early early nineties, that's what you said, ninety two, ninety three. You said, yeah, yeah, where you started. Um, till today, you've sort of looked at your firm as how do I uh, grow this beyond what it is today and beyond what the traditional practice methods are. How do I continue to innovate? Today, it sounds like you're doing a lot more in terms of technology and looking at the future of how technology is going to impact. Uh, what we do as architects and engineers and starting to look at that in terms of your firm. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. We, we got, uh, in fact, I, we looked into because certain trust manufacturers, the, the big boys, you know, the MyTech and Alpines of the world, uh, unless you have a fab shop, they won't let you have their software. So we found other third party software companies that would, uh, you know, that would let an architect or an engineer have that program or would let you rent it. Uh, so that we could do trusses, so that we could do things we to just expedite, you know, the permit set of plans. Um, and then, of course, um, if you you know if you get specialized for the for the the big home builder, the production home builder, the Lenars of the world, Dr. Hortons, um, you know they have, <laughs> you know they have a, a many models depending on the region, and then each model has so many elevations, so many options. And that is good and that is bad because there's so many combinations. You know, they cannot, uh, if they make a sale to put those sets together to get a, you know, you, what, you, what you end up with is you need a lot specific set of plans. Uh, and so, 
um, what happens is, is that that takes time. And so we've, we also had, we hired programmers and we wrote programs. We have a program called BIMPulse where you can, um, we've created master sets of plans. And when we get an order in, a menu system comes up on the screen and we just plug in what options, what elevations, and it builds a set automatically. So in 15 minutes, I've got a set of plans ready for permit. Wow. So you can imagine we get an order of 40 lots and I'm turning them around the next day. The builder's looking at me like, how in the world did you do that? Right, well, right. I don't tell them that part. <laughs> yeah, you push you the know, easy button. Yeah, push the easy <laughs> button, but I still charge the same amount of money. Yeah. You know, so uh, to, to my fellow comrades out there, I'm sure some of them are already doing that. But that's the key is how fast can you turn this thing around? Right. You still and give good quality. Let's take a break to thank our sponsors for their support of this episode. BIM can be important for your next project, but it's not the only thing you need for your next project. That's why it's important that 95% of manufacturers who offer free BIM files on RCAT also offer another type of data or information that your project may need. That means 95% of the products with BIM also have CAD files, are in a specification, in a patented spec wizard, or may have product information to help you make the right selection. So stop going to a site with just BIM and go to rcat.com to get everything you need for your next project for free and without registering. No cost, no credit card, no email, it's free. That's rcat.com, A-R-C-A-T.com. When building a business you're passionate about, it's easy to feel like there aren't enough hours in the day. And if you're doing all the invoicing and accounting on your own, you're probably spending time on work you don't love. FreshBooks is built for business owners like us. It's the all-in-one accounting software that saves entrepreneurs and freelancers up to 11 hours a week. That's 11 hours that you could spend nailing a client pitch, designing your next project, or building your business as an architect. From preparing, sending, and following up on invoices, to tracking and managing expenses, to processing online payments, FreshBooks automates and simplifies all the tough and annoying parts of running your own business. So try FreshBooks for free for 30 days. No credit card required. Go to entrearchitect.com FreshBooks and enter EntreeArchitect in the How Did You Hear About Us section and get more time back to build the business you love. That's entrearchitect.com slash FreshBooks. Please visit our platform sponsors today and thank them for supporting you, the Entree Architect community. So you said you shrunk from 70 something to 20 something in your firm. Yeah. Was, was that out of, um, of economic issues or was that sort of uh, the introduction of, of technology into the firm that didn't require that many people to do what you were doing? Well, that's a, that's a great point. Uh, it was technology helped quite a bit. Um, when we shrunk after the, you know, the Great Depression, whatever you want to call it, um, you know, I was skittish to grow. You know, everybody was. Um, so we kind of stayed small on purpose for a while, and we were able to still handle the volume using the technology. So you kind of kind of a, found a sweet spot. Uh, we, st we, we, we were up to uh, about 40 people, 40-some people, maybe 44. Uh, right, and then COVID hit, so or right before COVID hit, so we were we had downsized some, um, 
and but you know we're holding at about 30 now so we probably will grow back up a little bit how, how are there any permanent changes other than maybe you know number of people working for your firm are there any other permanent changes you've made uh due to covid some of the things that that you may have changed the way you're doing business because of the situation with covid and the lockdown uh that you find may be beneficial to make more permanent going into the future yes we you know um so being being a, a techie nerdy kind of a guy sometimes you know i'm always looking I, f I figured out i needed to be on you know our office needed to be on the web we needed to be totally you know that all sounds good and you know um but to do it is a is not that easy and because you know you you like to have your people within eyesight and you want to be able to shift gears you want to talk and collaborate how do you do that remotely you right. know and so covid forced that and so we you know we had to get our it folks involved and we had to get people to be able to work from home so right now there's maybe five people in the office four or five and the rest are all working remote and we've we've made the shift and what i've realized is that we can work this way you know you can collaborate yeah. um, and there are people that prefer to work from home and there's others that prefer to work you know, in the office. So, you know, what you can do is, is, is shrink your footprint as far as, you know, real estate goes and save some money there. Yeah. Is that a plan for you? Is, yeah. Is, yeah. In fact, we were, we actually had signed a contract to um, double the size of our space here. And between me and the landlord, we have, <laughs> we've rethought that because we don't need it. And he doesn't, you know, he's, he's afraid of the risk because, you know, there's a lot of space sitting open, sitting vacant. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and, and, you know, we are, so we are licensed across 43 states, you know, from California to Florida to New York. And, uh, but we only really have one office. We have a couple of people that work out of the houses in other states. So you can do it, you know, with, with, with uh, I mean, it's not, it's nothing new. It's just, you know, architects, engineers, we, we, we uh, you know, we pride ourselves on being able to, to collaborate and you kind of sit at the table, around the table and you right. discuss something and you sketch it out. You just got to learn to do that, you know, electronically, virtually. Yeah. There's new tools that we'll have yeah. to use to, to bring some of that serendipity and collaboration back. Um, and, exactly. and, and, and that, that combination of remote and still having an office where people can come into the office if they want to, or on a more regular basis, have those collaborative meetings yep. intentionally as part of the process. Um, yep. I'm finding that, hearing that a lot that, that it, it, uh, people sort of have resisted it for decades. You know, the, the ability yep. to work remotely has been around for at least five years. The, the technology has been, uh, reliable enough for the last five, maybe 10 years, but probably the last five years, it's been good enough to really build your business with. Um, and people have resisted it, but with COVID, you were, we were all forced within a week to go home and figure it out. Exactly. And now yeah. everybody's figured it out and has seen the benefit of it as well as the downsides of it. And, yeah. uh, and many have shifted into making that a permanent decision that, that, uh, some of this flexibility will remain. So how will that look for forefront? Will, will there be, um, was there a, sort of a, an, uh, a mindset in your firm that uh, you need to be in your chair working for a number of hours per day? Uh, and if so, does that, how does that change with this new structure? Yes. So that was, you know, that is the old school way where you track when you arrive and when you take a break. And that really is, is, 
cumbersome for everybody involved, those tracking it and those being tracked. And so, you know, we've gone away from that and said, uh, in fact, we have, you know, we have a gentleman in Houston and one in California and they're very successful doing this and we're very, and they're doing a great job. And so, um, we flew him in to, for his review and we sat him down and said, you know, how are you doing this? You know, <laughs> yeah. Thanks. You know, some people can do it. Some people cannot, you know? Yeah. A lot of it is personality. Yes. personality, Exactly. So you gotta get, you gotta be able to, for example, me, I prefer to be in the office. So I, I probably could not be as, but he said, look, I, I work and I, and I stop when I stop for my family or for whatever I got to do, but I get it done and I do it in my hours. And the, and the key is, you know, you have to give these people a budget. Yeah. And an expectation. And as long as you do that, as opposed to just saying, move faster, move faster, move faster. No, no, no. Here's the job. Here's the budget. Here's when it's due. And then you support them in every which way you can. Right. So you have a, a budget and a deadline. So here's the budget and a deadline, here's, right. You need to get this in by, right. and this is when it has to be done. Right. This Go is figure the scope. It out. And I'll support you any which way you need, but this, these are the, you know, these are the rules. Right. And, and yeah. And together with that, we've, we've kind of gone to more of an open book management where people can see how we're doing. So we kind of share that. And that was another big thing that we did because we struggle with bonus programs, you know, as an architect engineer, how do you do that? That's yeah. we've, we've failed several times trying to do that because, Oh, it's not fair. It's not this, not that. So we've gone to an open kind of a open book management type style of, of managing where people see it. And, um, and they become responsible. I mean, How much are they seeing? Are you basically showing them PL statements on a monthly yes. basis? How, is yeah. that how it's being shown? Yeah, we, we, are, we are getting down to a, a simplified, you know, because you have to, first we had to go through and, and, and train people how to read one. You know, <laughs> yeah, so we, over, right. <laughs> you know, there's that. Uh, but you, you simplify it. And you, uh, that's the key. You know, you'd have maybe 10 items, maybe 15 tops. Right. Provide the necessary information yeah. so they can, they yeah. can leverage that right. information. And then everybody takes ownership maybe of something that they think they can, you know, improve on. And then we track that. And then, you know, it's, it's all or nothing. We all hit it or nobody hits it, you know? And so we're in it together. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and so is there a, is there a bonus uh, package yes. that's sort of tied to that now? Right. There's, there's a bonus package tied to that. So that, you know, you have a, so it's basically based on the company has to, you know, pay its bills and it's got to make a certain minimum amount. And then anything over that gets split. To, so it's a with, profit share. Yeah. And there's like 10 or 15 levels. So you, you know, if you hit the first level, good, there's another, I mean, you can go, you can make you know, up to 15% of your pay, you know, so it's not bad. Yeah. Does, do, does everybody in the firm see where everybody else is in that level? Everybody, well, what they see is how we're doing by client, right? And so people are assigned to clients and then how they take care of them. Mm -hmm. And um, what we do is like, if somebody's struggling, other people can help. It's not because, because if that client is a tough client, everybody needs to help because yeah. we're all going to lose or we're all going to win, right? Yeah. So it's yeah. not somebody's fault if you've got a tough client. You know, we all jump in there and get it done. Right. Rather than being competitive with one another, we're, right. you're collaborative because. Which, right. We had that formula before and it didn't work. Yeah. Because everybody starts, you know, they, they start protecting their fiefdom, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. Or their and, client. And nobody's happy there. And nobody's happy. Right. It didn't work. We abandoned that. Yeah. Yeah. To this. So. So are you still um, primarily focused on big development home builders? Is that your primary target market? No. So one of the things that we did, you know, we were probably 90% of 
big builders until the crash in, in 08. And um, so now we have a little more balance. We do commercial, we do design work, you know, much more traditional architectural work um, so that we have some balance so that we, you know, the next downturn, we've got some choices. And, and in fact, through this COVID, you know, a lot of the home builders stopped and we had some, some good architectural work, some good development work, uh, some big projects with money that was already in place. And so that kind of carried us. Um, so that helped. Yeah. So we're trying to get, we're still, you know, we're probably, you know, still a, a large percentage of our work is still residential, you might say, mm -hmm. production type work. So multifamily but and, multifamily, and large, right. large single family development. Right, right. Uh, but we are we are approaching you know a better balance with commercial true you know traditional commercial work. Yeah, how do you market yourself for that? Whereas originally you were marketing to one target market, big builders, right? And they knew who you were, and you knew who they were, and, yeah. and it was easy to market to them. How do you expand and diversify your portfolio and still sort of have a strong brand? So one of the things that so we have. You know, we're architects, engineers, mechanical, electrical, plumbing. We also have certified building officials, certified inspectors. So we have uh, a lot of knowledge about code, about and we are on boards here for the building departments. Um, we make it our business to be to know to be in the know, right? And the other thing that we do um, is we are. How do you say it? So my mentor used to say, he says, you know, I'll sweep the floor if you want to pay me to sweep the floor. So that's the mentality we come across is, look, there's nothing too small or too big. You know, we'll do it. And uh, and so we've, you know, we've, we look for niche work. We look, for example, we did, you know, one of our engineering jobs was we did the, the lightning towers for the shuttle. Uh, we've done a lot of work at Disney because it's specialty work and, you know, but we'll jump into it. There's nothing we won't do. Right. You know, um, so I think that's kind of set us apart is that we, you know, we're problem solvers. Yeah. It sounds like you've built a, a business around problem solving, uh, built a strong brand around the process that you've built, that, yeah. this, that, the, that the technology and the, and the human uh, capacity of, of the process, uh, that you can get things done very quickly. And so that sounds like where you've built that brand that you don't have to have a specific target market like home builders to sort of build a brand to and speak to that one client, you can speak to all these different uh, uh, disciplines and different types of architecture clients. Uh, and and the one unifying element of what Forefront is all about is that highly efficient, uh, effective process. Yes, yes. And we are, you know, we, we are, we have an app, you know, we've done all these things to try to be accessible to our clients, you know, the way they communicate these days. You know, rarely do they sit on their computer or desktop and go to our website and log into their portal. No, they want to work on their phone or their tablet or something. Yeah. So we have to be there. And and the other thing that, you know, we work is we work the bottom up and top down. So we're working both ends so that, you know, there's confirmation on their end. Yep, those guys know what they're doing or, yep, I talked to them, they understand what we need and there's confirmation. So you have to be working, you know, all, all uh, at all ends. Yeah. One of the questions I ask most of my guests is what does the future look like? And in the last few months, that's been a very difficult question to, to ask and a very difficult question to answer. Uh, but I think we're getting to a point in this situation with COVID and the, and the pandemic 
where much of what we're seeing ahead of us is is starting to look a little bit more permanent. Um, that some of these big changes are where we thought we might just wait them out and we'll go back to the way things were. We're clearly not going back to the way things were. Uh, things are different now. And, and so what does it look like for the next two or three years for Forefront? Have you looked at uh, that in terms of a plan for the future and have made some decisions to, uh, to pursue the next two or three years? Yeah, a couple different fronts. I mean, uh, housing seems to be, you know, uh, strong, you know, there's, and now the question is, is that just because everybody sat home for two months and then yeah. will it, you know, um, uh, there is a shortage. So there'll be, I think we'll be okay there. I think one of the, one of the things that we focused on is, you know, offsite construction. Um, you know, there's a lot of things in the commercial construction world that the residential commercial, the residential world has not caught up to, you know, it's commonplace in commercial, but not so common in residential multifamily. They're still they're still building houses like they did 50 years ago. Yeah, one stick at a time. Right, and so you know what we have done is we have um, made it our business to understand. For example, we can draft something in Revit, for example, and I can not only turn out your brochures, I can turn out your web marketing material, I can turn out your brochures, I can turn out your. Uh, uh, you're obviously your structural, your architectural, mechanical, electrical, plumbing, but I can also send files to the shop for the saw, so that you can cut your lumber, you can cut your walls, you it'll estimate for. So you know, there's so many things now. You know what I what I try to tell people, and they look at me, and go, well, what's the difference between Revit and AutoCAD? Or I said, well, if you recall, the flip phones, cell phones we used to have, they flip up, they talk, you could do a little bit of text. And now we have a smartphone; it'll do everything. So these are the drawings today that we turn out are smart drawings, you know, versus back in the day, they were just, you know, lines. And so we have, you know, I'm trying to leverage that. Uh, we in fact had a, a wall panel plant, you know, just to be able to uh, better understand and, and, and um, you know, get into that market. Cause we feel like offsite construction is where it's at, whether, no matter what you're doing. Yeah. Do you believe that in commercial and large um, uh, residential that uh, offsite construction is is going to be the the only method in the future in the next you know ten years? Not not the only. I think it's gonna it's gonna shift. To, it'll be the majority. It'll be what what works because you know you're in a you you know after '08 we lost a lot of skilled labor. A lot of smarts left. Those that knew how to do it went and did something else or just got out of the business. Yeah. They didn't come back. And so as architects, engineers, what we're finding is that the young bucks that are coming out of school are running these jobs. And so guess what? We're the only ones left with the know-how. I'm not trying to be egotistical, but we're getting a lot more calls. Hey, how do you do this? I don't understand this piece. How do you build? I don't, you know. So we're educating the kids that are coming out of school. So we have to have smarter drawings. And so if you put them in a in an offsite condition where things get built in a factory, you don't need skilled labor. You need maybe one foreman and the software will do most of the rest. So that's what's happening. There's a transfer of knowledge yeah. and yeah. it's transferring into the factory and then through through technology. Yeah, yeah. Very, very interesting. Um, before we wrap things up here, Hans, I'd like to ask you the one question that I ask everybody. Uh, what is one thing a small firm architect can do today to build a better business for tomorrow? So 
is to know your client. Uh, if you understand what you like doing, then understand how they do business. Understand uh, what their pain points are. Get to know everything about them. And that's what I did and where my success was because they felt like I knew what they needed. If you understand your client, you understand where his money comes from. You understand when he can spend it, how. Then you can align yourself with them and, and, and guarantee yourself success. Yeah, very good advice. And, and, and the, the ability to, to go beyond what you expect is the normal way of doing things. It's clear yes. that right from the beginning with Forefront, that you looked, you can constantly looked for the next thing that you can provide to your client. And it, and it may not have been the traditional thing that you did as an engineer. You just kept providing what they needed um, and kept growing and growing and growing and became this uh, indispensable uh, resource for your clients. Yeah, offer more and always offer the next thing. I've always been able to differentiate myself and because of that, I could charge more until everybody else caught up and then it's a, you know, then it's a rat race. So you got to find the next thing. Yeah. His name is Hans Benson. It's B-E-N-T-Z-O-N. Uh, the website, you can go check out Forefront's website at ForefrontAE.com. We will have links to all of that on the show notes. Um, they have a great blog called Front Page. You can learn more about what Forefront is doing over there. They are on Facebook, um, Instagram, and LinkedIn. So you can find them on social media as well. Hans, this has been a very interesting conversation. I appreciate you for coming by and talking to me for a little while and sharing your knowledge here at Entree Architect Podcast. Thank you. I enjoyed it. If you liked this episode of Entree Architect Podcast, please share a rating, write a review, and share a link to this episode with a friend. That's how you could help grow Entree Architect Podcast. Thank you to our sponsors, RCAT and FreshBooks for their support of this episode. Links to all our sponsors and all our resources that we discussed today are available at the show notes for this episode found at entrearchitect.com slash podcast. Entree Architect is a member of the Gable Media Podcast Network. Gable Media is curated thought leadership for an audience dedicated to building a better world. That's you. Listen and subscribe to all the shows at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L-Media.com. Go there now. And check out Entree Architect Academy membership. Ready to edit business resources for architects, live monthly business training for architects, a supportive architect community, and Simple Systems, our new business system program developed for you, the small firm entrepreneur architect. It's all waiting for you right now at Entree Architect Academy membership, including AIA Continuing Education Learning Units. Yep. They are there, there too. Entree Architect is there for you. Come join me and hundreds of your entrepreneur architect friends. Visit entrearchitect.com slash join to enroll today. Thanks for listening today. Love, learn, and share what you know. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this. I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, we'll buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm.
where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders, Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that (laughs) then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it guys. Oh my One that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity, where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast, it's a community where dreams meet action. There is a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was, it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is gonna be a priority. When the job is done, we're gonna actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. (laughs) So for me, the, the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like, that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.